Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our very first Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I tell you, this is exciting. I'm so excited I woke up at 2.21 this morning and uh, I just uh, was very excited. This is something that the Lord spoke to me two years ago, just over two years, two years and one month ago, and uh, put it in my heart. And of course, there's a lot of things that we had to do technically to get to where we could interact and take phone calls and talk to people over the air. The biggest hindrance was that I didn't want to be tied down five days a week. I got places to go and things to do and so much other. And so we've been praying about it. And right here I have with me uh, three other men and the four of us are gonna be hosting this and we will each take one day a week, Monday through Thursday, and then on Friday, one of us will take two hosts during the week and so that no one person will have to host this more than any two days in one month. Yep. And so we came up with that all of us are busy and we're gonna spend some time introducing everybody. Uh, let me just real quickly say that the format that we've come up with is about a 20 to, uh, maybe 20 to 28 minutes, I think, something like this introduction, a monologue that we will start with uh, each day, and we will just discuss what's on our heart or something like this, but we aren't gonna be limiting this to only scripture. All of us here are ministers. Uh, Richard is a pastor, Mark is a pastor. Have you pastored? I have been a pastor. And I have pastored too, but praise God, I serve my time. God delivered <laughs> me. And so all of us are ministers, but we aren't gonna limit this to only talking about scripture. We're gonna talk about current events. We're gonna talk about whatever is going on and your calls are gonna be able to be on any topic. Uh, we do have the right of refusal. We aren't going to answer anything that's off color or anything that's bad. But other than that, everything's on the table. So we will do maybe a 28-minute introduction. We'll take a short break, advertise something, come back, and then take calls for basically an hour. Now, today, I want to introduce Pastor Mark and Alex and Richard. Of course, most people know Richard and me. If you've been watching our Truth and Liberty thing, but we're going to spend some time introducing them. So if we go past some of these breaks today, this is just our very first day. And so uh, we aren't going to be held to a real strict time on this. But I am excited because uh, our the name of this really says it all, truth and liberty. The Word of God is truth, but those who know the truth, the Son sets free. And so we have a responsibility not only to truth, the Word of God, but we have a responsibility to take that truth and impact our culture. And uh, so this is what it's all about. And I think that this really is going to be an awesome deal. I think all of us are in agreement on that. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. It's going to be great. So let's just start here with some quick introductions. And again, I want to spend some time because I know that people see me on television and you may relate to me and think, oh, these other guys, I'm not going to listen to them. But you, <laughs> will, uh, they, these are all handpicked 
by the Lord. And Mark and I, we were just discussing that I think it's been 45 years is what you said. 45 years this year that we met. Man. That was at a full gospel businessman's uh, meeting in Colorado Springs. And I think I was the first person you met in Colorado Very, Springs. Yeah, because I was still living in Lamar at the time and I didn't even know I was coming to Colorado Springs at that time. And we were at a Charles Capps meeting and we were sitting next to each other and they said, greet somebody. And I greeted Mark and it turned out you would listened to me on the radio and you recognized my voice. I had never seen your picture and you were on daily, tele, uh, daily radio and uh, Happy Caldwell was leading worship yeah. in that. And he said, turn and introduce yourself. And when I heard your name, I said, well, I listen to you every day on the radio. So you were the first person. That was a year and a half or so before I moved here. That yeah, I'm in exactly. Here, yeah. And how long had you been born again at that time? Well, probably the Lord had been dealing with me for about a year, year and a half, but I had just surrendered my life to the Lord within the previous six to nine months, if I remember right. So did you even know that you were going to be a minister or pastor at that time? No, I didn't. What I did was I kept showing up at church and I said, you know, I'd like to help whatever you need done. And, uh, but I had a hunger for the word that was insatiable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so doors started opening at the church. And then over time, I'm the third senior pastor, but over time, <clears throat> the Lord opened that door. I never dreamed I'd be a pastor. Well, I was a part of that church from inception. And as a matter of fact, the very first pastor stiffed me, his uh, administrators, still in jail or was in jail for a while. And there were some bad things going on. And then the second one that came in left it in it. And I tell you what, I wouldn't have touched that church with a 10 foot pole. And I don't think they told you what you were getting into when well, you took over, did you? We knew that it was bad and, <laughs> and we prayed about it and felt we were supposed to, but it was far worse yeah. than we ever dreamed. And it was kind of funny. One day I was walking down the hall from my practical government class. And a student came up and said, Andrew was talking about you in class. And I said, well, I hope it was good. He said, well, you, you took a church that he wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole. It. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? You made a go of it. Man, oh, man. If you don't quit, God will pull you through. Amen. Amen. I was talking about it on Sunday. You know, the Lord brought Lester Summerall into our lives. The cornerstone message that he preached that really was an anchor for me was called, I did not quit. And Sunday morning I found, you know, I had the cassette tape of the last time he preached for us, which was March 17th of 1996. He died six weeks later. And I was at that meeting. Were you? I was. And on the way home, I hit the ice on the bridge, flipped my truck uh, 360 degrees and, and hit the median and nothing. I mean, it messed my truck up, but, and it threw my computer out and a car ran over it. And I was used to bringing in my computer and I'd leave it for my IT guys with a little note on it and says, this isn't working, would you fix it? So the next day I brought this computer Still in in pieces this and working. I had a note. I said, can you fix this? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was at that meeting. That's the only time I ever heard Lester well, Do you know, I looked at it and the title of the ma uh, message there, because he had preached for several times, but uh, the title of that message of the man who doesn't quit. Yeah. And that's part of my testimony because because there were so many opportunities for Linda and I to quit. There, there literally, we hit 
impossibilities mm. yeah. and there was no way through it. So. I remember the facility that you had over on the west side. It was an old Safeway building and the thing was falling down the hill. Matter of fact, we used to rent space from you <laughs> yeah. and I had some guys in there and the wind blew and cracks opened up and dirt started falling oh in God. and I evacuated them. I said, and you we're holding church in that building. Well, the building that you leased there, uh, that was condemned by the city. Yeah. And they gave us five days to get out, 90 days to have the building torn down. And I got a revelation, it costs money to tear buildings down. <laughs> yeah, for real. And, and used to, when I'd be counseling, my office was up there, uh, pigeons made their yeah. way in. And I'd be, I'd be counseling <laughs> and they'd be going like this and cooing. And uh, right in the middle of counseling appointments. So it, we, we have some precious and very strange and memories. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that the previous people had been, the way they'd been financing and keeping the church going was just hawking it and putting it more and more in debt. And there were balloon payments coming due that I don't think you knew about, did you? Well, we had threatening lawsuits. Uh, we had leases on cars and equipment. I actually had an attorney it was the worst conversation I've ever had. <clears throat> he said, well, I can just send a sheriff down and confiscate your offer. And I said, no, you can't. And we didn't end on a very good note. <laughs> and so I hung the phone up and I thought, maybe I better call our attorney on that one. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. wonder if they can. <laughs> and they exactly what I said. <laughs> and the attorney said, technically, Mark, he could, whether he'll do it or not. Thank God he didn't. But we just had some wild stories from that era, but only God, the only reason we ever made it. But today we have the best staff we've ever had, the best culture we've ever had. The church is blessed beyond measure. Now you've moved to the east side, northeast side of uh, Colorado Springs. You have multiple locations. How many people do you have in your church? Well, we have, we have two campuses, southwest and northeast. We're around the 2000 mark and we've just got a healthy church. Yeah. And it it is something Linda and I wouldn't trade those years for anything in the world, but I wouldn't, wouldn't volunteer you, to go back no, through them. Uh, not for anything. And let me just say that uh, not only have you had to deal with just normal stuff of pastoring a church, which is a big enough problem, but the Lord also spoke to you about getting involved in the political fray and taking a stand and share with them a little bit. You've made front page headlines in yeah. Colorado Springs. You know, uh, it, my journey started in about 2008 um, and I began to see what was going on and things in our government and I started to do a deep dive on the study of the history of our country and the book, The Light and the Glory, that was an impactful book. David Barton's book, Bill Federer's material. And all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, we don't have the full story on the founding of our nation. A real turning point for me came with a three-page David Barton article entitled The Black Robe Regiment. I had never heard that phrase. And I thought, I wonder if that's like judges, because judges wear black robes. Mm -hmm. And that little three-page article with 101 footnotes that David Barton wrote, it, it said basically, that was a backhanded comment by the British against the pastors and clergy of the day. And what they said was, they said, if it hadn't been for those pastors, we'd have won this war. Well, then secular historians have even established that if pastors hadn't spoken up about the, what was going on during the day, the tyranny, 
and we're in soft tyranny right now. But they said if they hadn't spoken, there never would have been a revolution. And if the revolution had broken out, it wouldn't have been sustainable without the involvement of the pastors. Mm -hmm. So something went off in me and I just said, that's it, I'm done being silent. Now this is over years, but in 2012, uh, I used to do a series called America the Beautiful and <clears throat> incredible speakers, but I had Kamal Saleem, former terrorist, jihadist, and General Jerry Boykin, who's an American hero and blessing to this nation. And, and uh, so I had a, a message called America Has Enemies and we talked and General Boykin spoke on a Sunday morning and the Spirit of God hit me so strong and nobody knew it but me. But while he was speaking, I came under such conviction and I said, I am done being silent and I'm going to speak out. And so basically we did the breaking the silence. You spoke at that. That's where I actually met Alex. That's Alex right. that's came right. and was a speaker there and he did a radio interview with me. And that's mm -hmm. the very first time I'd ever met Alex was through you. So that's a great connection. Amen. A lot of, lot of fruit, I think, is still being born out of those two So years. you had a front page article, or well, what was the title it, of that? It was the local news. I got home that afternoon when I spoke out in, in October 2012. That was Pulpit Freedom Sunday that ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, put out. All the media showed up. And uh, there had been things going on prior, but somebody texted me and said, I think you ought to watch the news. You're the top story tonight. I said, really? So uh, okay. anyway, on the one channel, all three channels covered it, but on one it says local church breaks law, preaches politics. Which isn't breaking the law. <laughs> no, right. it wasn't. But that's what, that's what most people think. They and think Johnson it is. Johnson Amendment mm -hmm. skewed everything. Exactly. Did, did you feel intimidated when you saw that headline about yourself? Well, that stuff never feels good. <laughs> but I got up the next Sunday and I said, look, I'll own it if it's true, but that's not true. I did not break the law. Yeah. I did not preach politics. I preached the Word of God and it happens to touch political arenas. Mm -hmm. Because the last time I checked, life and death, like abortion, sexuality, all those things are not political issues. They're biblical and moral issues, but they end up in the political arena. You know, I'll never forget something I heard at an ADF conference for pastors. Uh, they would, uh, we had all sorts, maybe 60 of us there. But these attorneys for Alliance Defending Freedom, it was one of the most powerful things. And one of the attorneys, I don't even remember his name, he said, the laws of the land are the back door to the theology of the church. Mm. And I mm. thought about that. Well, say, it, that say that again. Mm -hmm. The laws of the land are the back door to the theology of the church. Well, I, it wouldn't leave me. And all of a sudden, I began to observe that's true. Because all of a sudden you get pastors that are not grounded in the Word and they give in to the pressures yep. that culture are applying to everybody. Pretty soon you've got pastors that are performing same-sex unions. You've got pastors that won't speak up on issues that the Bible condemns, that the Bible is against. And so anyway, that's part of my journey. And so we've started a culture impact team since then. That is the really... Family Research Council was one that conceived that idea and we took it and ran with it. I've got just the most wonderful people that are leading that team. We've So when was that that you did that Pulpit Freedom Sunday and got 
the headlines. October 2012 was my first year doing and it. And you've never had any criticism since then. <laughs> well, Wasn't it just sailing. last week that you made the New York Times or anyway? It was a little prior to that, and it was a New York Times reporter, and he kept calling me, wanted to interview. Well, he was such a nice guy, I really wanted to talk to him. And uh, I forget what it was about, but I had Bill Federer in teaching, and he had come to the church. And so, you know, I said, I'm going to pray about, you know, talking to this gentleman. And, and uh, I said it to a few of my prayer folks, and they sent me one of his articles, and I said, you got to be kidding me. Uh, this is not somebody that we're on the same page. So I did not respond to it because it gets twisted. And I think most people Absolutely. know that our media really struggles with telling the truth. And it was such a warped article. Our phone lines lit up. Um, our precious receptionist cussed out. I got emails with... She um, didn't cuss somebody out. No, she got no, cussed out. She got cussed okay. out. We yep. want to make that clear. Yeah, it, it was amazing. I got letters. I got... Um, uh, middle fingers on big postcards oh, and, nice. and church for all Republican nations. <laughs> so all of this to say church that Pastor Mark not only teaches the word, but he's been in the battle uh, in the culture revolution. And so as he hosts on Mondays this live Truth and uh, Liberty call-in, um, you're equipped to talk about social issues and to take a stand on things. Also, before we move on to Alex, uh, you help direct our um, what we'll practical, practical government, government school. school. How long have you been doing that? This will be our seventh year graduation, and it's been amazing. And, you know, Mark and I, like we said, knew each other 45 years, but we haven't been connect that connected until when was it? You came up and we were talking about Uganda, and you went home talking about Don't Limit God. It was uh, 2015. In fact, you know, on the way up here today, I drove past uh, Swiss Chalet. Mm -hmm. We got together for lunch to talk about the Declaration of Dependence on God. I could take you to the table we sat at. We both had the same thing, crusted salmon. <laughs> and we were sitting there, and the discussion went a direction, and it was actually I went home and told Linda. I said, Linda, Man, I did not realize how bold Andrew is. I am so thankful. And we were talking about things you talked about on the national television. And I said, did you know he and David Barton have discussed starting the Practical Government School? And Linda can be very and is very prophetic. And she looked at me and she goes, you'd be perfect for that. To, mm -hmm. you know, I said, they just don't have a director for it. And I said, well, I hadn't thought about that, but it is my passion. And we talked, and I came back a couple days later, and uh, I, I said, Andrew, I'm here to, if you want me to teach a class or direct it. And you'd ask me, you said, well, Mark, you have a church to pastor. And I said, well, we, our staff is the best staff we've ever had, and uh, I can do more. You know, And you know, that was the day that I learned you have to tell people when you're excited. That's true. <laughs> I, you looked at me and you said, Mark, I'm excited. <laughs> and I said, true. I was thinking, really? Yeah. And I've laughed about that ever since. And we grabbed hands and prayed, and the rest was history. And so you not only help direct the practical government school, but you're also on the board of directors for Truth and Liberty. So he's very well connected and, and ready to do this. 
And so, man, uh, we've been a long time, but I wanted you to get to know these guys yeah. because, again, I know that many people know me through my television program, but I, I wouldn't have asked these guys to help host with me if I didn't feel like that they could carry the water. And so, you guys are a blessing. Like we said, I met Alex through Mark, and Alex, uh, you got quite the resume. Well, he he worked. Uh, he's ministered in thousands of churches, much more than what I ever have. Uh, he came out of a, um, I don't know that you'd call it agnostic, but uh, anyway, I, yeah, I was in in college when I got saved. Came from kind of a certainly weren't Christian or weren't right. excited about the Lord. And when he got turned on, he had a desire to start defending the faith, becoming an apologist. He worked with Focus on the Family, did their did. biblical worldview. You helped us. You are helping us do our biblical worldview. And by the way, uh, I need to advertise this, that we are making our biblical worldview during this introductory week, we're making it one-third off. It's typically $120. We have, I think, tw uh, in the very first uh, session that I did by myself, there's 12 um, lessons in that. And it's different than my, just my normal teaching. We've got all kinds of graphics that support the things. But then we've got how many other? A total uh, of six. The original one you did plus five more. And the other ones have right. like seven different people like you guys speak on this? Oh all my of goodness, us. yes. People like uh, Bill Federer that uh, Mark mentioned and people like David Barton and uh, Kamal Salim and just a General lot of... General Boykin. Oh, General Boykin. Bill Federer. Bob McEwen. Yeah. I tell you, these are world changers and they are some of the movers and shakers. So anyway, this biblical worldview is specifically designed to help people who believe something but don't know how to defend it to get in there and get the tools that you need to be able to speak and defend your faith. And, and Alex is helping us run that because... And we, we've, we've got a big rollout on Friday of this week, Friday, March 10th, a biblical worldview response to racism. Hours and hours of teaching and cutting edge information to help individuals and churches respond to, it's just everywhere, racism. And so we've been working on these for a couple of years now and they're changing lives. And it's not just a bunch of white guys talking about biblical racism. <laughs> we got E.W. Jackson and Abe uh, Abe Hamilton Abe III. Hamilton III, who's a lawyer. He, and was the youngest uh, assistant DA in the country, Abe Hamilton III. And of course, E.W. is a Harvard-educated attorney and pastor as well. But um, that all of this, Truth and Liberty, Karis Bible College, the resources, God is raising up this to empower millions of people to stand for truth and defend the faith at this moment. So real quickly, just give us a little bit of background on you and your wife. Uh, you're in the process of trying to move here, but your wife has some health issues that are having to get fixed first. But yeah. just for your information, he's committed to doing this. They've already sold their house. <laughs> They're houseless at the moment. <laughs> but, but, but that's okay. You know, Andrew, this is such a blessing, and, and I deeply sense the hand of God in bringing me to this point in my journey. But 18 years ago, I was living in Colorado Springs, and I would drive past a church called Church for All Nations. And I just felt drawn. I don't know why. I just, I thought, I want to get to know that church. And I met Mark Cowart. And really for 18 years, he's been a mentor to me. 
through Mark, I met you and we got to be friends and the Lord began to allow us to work together. But um, I, I got to tell you this very briefly. I was a youth pastor in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I wanted my kids to know how to defend their faith. So we began to put on conferences and I got bold and I went out and rented the Greensboro Coliseum, which is a uh, this event center seats 5,000 people. Oh, wow. And it, this was ambitious. I mean, yeah. really. And I invited people like Josh McDowell and Lee Strobel and people we would work with. And I said, okay, creation versus evolution, uh, God and government, you know, defend the faith. Well, we were about three weeks out and we had sold like 300 registrations for a 5,000 seat venue. And my, I was thinking, you know, I better back off here. And the manager of the Coliseum, he said, Alex, if you downsize, I've got a second arena that seats 800 people. And if you will downsize, you'll save $15,000. So I was praying about it. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, Alex, I told you to rent that thing. Now, trust me. Well, I drove to the bank because Angie and I had a, a, a ability to get a line of credit. And I thought, I'll just go for the, the, the big arena. And even though we're going to lose our shirt, I'm going to get a credit line and we'll pay the bills. And it was like the Lord said, Alex, don't get out of this car. Trust me. So I went back to the Coliseum. I said, we're going to stick with the big room. And he goes, very frustrated. He said, look, Alex, I'm just trying to help you. But there's no way you're three weeks out. There's no way you're going to fill this place. But I fasted and I prayed. Now, the reason I'm telling this is if I had messed up at that juncture 20 years ago, we wouldn't be here because little did I know there was a fledgling thing called email and people were, it was getting out through the homeschool community. Long story short, we did our, our first big conference of biblical worldview. We had 5,100 people. Filled it plus a hundred. Well, I got written up in Christianity Today, a little piece that said youth and worldview. And James Dobson saw that article and he had his cousin, um, H.B. London, call me up. Then Dr. Dobson called me. I moved to Colorado Springs, met Mark. I used to drive past your building before you, a decade before you and I ever met, I used to drive past your building. And uh, anyway, I'm so glad that I didn't play it safe back then. Yeah. Now, I was afraid, I was prayerful, my knees were knocking. But what, the reason I'm saying that is God has a, a faith journey for everybody. Amen. And God wants to bless, increase, raise you up. But along the way, there's going to be challenges. How many biblical worldview conferences have you held? Do you know? 48. 40. And, and the 49th will be April 21 through 23 in Paris, Tennessee. And we'll be doing our 49th conference. We've had a, a low of 550 people, a high of 8,000 people. But we're trying to win the lost and equip the saved. And so one of the differences, it's not that Alex doesn't use Scripture, but Alex comes at it not only from a biblical perspective, but you show our roots uh, of this nation you, on a lot of different things. You go back in, quote, you quote people that I don't know anything about. <laughs> Plus, this guy knows everybody. Matter of fact, Richard yes. and I are putting on a fundraising banquet. When is that, Richard? May 5th, 23rd. May the 5th. And we were thinking of who could we get to speak, and it turned out that Alex said, well, 
Dinesh D'Souza is coming over to my house to eat with us. And so while he was at Alex's home, he just asked if he'd do this, and he accepted. <laughs> well, you know everybody. Well, uh, yes, Dinesh is going to be here May 5th, and uh, it's going to be really good. He has been to my house to eat. Uh, I was actually doing a show with him like a month ago, and I said, oh, okay. well, hey, I but yeah, um, along this journey, and you know, getting to know yourselves and Dinesh and all, there are a lot of people that care about the future of this country. Yes. And, and you remember God says, you know, I've got 5,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. We need to be encouraged and we need to be vocal and prayerful and visible. Because let me say this, I know it's, it's the darkness and the evil of the moment that seems to get all the headlines, but God's got a, a, an army he's raising up. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take a little brief break. And again, I mentioned that our format is going to be this introductory and then we'd go straight to the phones. I still want to give Alex a little bit more time so that you get to know him better. I'm going to introduce uh, Richard. Uh, I'm spending less time on myself and Richard because probably most of you watching this know us. But we're going to take just a real brief break. I think it's only a 90 second break or something like that. And uh, this is being broadcast on CTN and so there are some time constraints. Uh, but we'll be right back on the other side of this break. And please take advantage of this offer of the Biblical Worldview. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Andrew is pleased to offer his highly anticipated series, Biblical Worldview. In this box set curriculum series, Andrew outlines the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview in every area of their life. Each volume contains multiple lessons that include a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and personal access code to the online videos. Each lesson is full of supporting facts, quotes, charts, and historic visuals. Through the online platform, you'll have lifetime access to all of the video and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. The Biblical Worldview series is available for only $120 per installment. This resource is perfect for individual or group study. Go to awmi.net to order these valuable resources today. Hey Amen. I really do encourage you to get this biblical worldview. You know, we've actually had churches that take this and during their midweek service, they are going through this and watching the videos and then have a discussion time. And we've gotten reports of this just making huge difference, not only in churches, but in Bible studies. And then on a personal level, it's great. So we've got the foundation series where I talk about what is a biblical worldview and, and I go into evolution versus creationism and, and is man basically good or basically bad? And we deal with some things that a lot of people don't think about a lot, but these are some of the foundations that have gotten us so far off kelter in our society. And then we deal with uh, what was the next one? Sex? Yeah, uh, sexuality. Sexuality. And I tell you, this deals with homosexuality, transgenderism, what is the proper way to uh, function in a marriage, and it just deals with these hot issues. 
Then we deal with uh, socialism. Socialism, and th and one of the things about socialism that was so good is that I've got probably a dozen employees at least from the former Soviet Union, and they give their testimonies as an as a bonus feature about what socialism and communism is really like. And I tell you what, it if you listen to this, it'll make you want to reject all of this uh, public uh, health care and all that kind of stuff. It's just a door to communism. And then we've got coming out this coming Friday is our uh, foundation, our biblical worldview on racism. And it's going to be really good. And again, Alex helps us do that. Andrew, the, the coupon code, truth. Okay, if, you if, tell them about it. Okay, well, so when you go to check out, when you buy so, uh, Biblical Worldview, just be sure to put in your coupon code, T-R-U-T-H, TRUTH, and you'll get uh, 30, a third off of the price. $40 off. It's normally $120. Yeah. And again, this is a bargain because on some of these things we have, I don't know, at least 12 hours worth of teaching. And then we have panel discussions. We have bonus features like these uh, former Soviet Union people talking about their experiences. And it's really really good. And mm -hmm. we are, we're going to just keep going with this biblical worldview. Amen. So Alex is the one who's kind of driving this since he's had, what did you say, 500 and uh, conferences, biblical uh, well, well, I've preached in, I don't know how many churches. Um, uh, September two years ago, a publisher, I was writing a book, said, we want, we want to know everywhere you ever preached if it was a youth hot dog supper or a Bible <laughs> conference. And Angie and I went through, I've got these little day timers going back to 1994. And I just counted up every church I'd ever been in, every Bible conference, every camp. And it was like 2,200 different places. Amazing. But now we've organized these multiple um, and Mark has spoken for us in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We've done 48 conferences. Um, Cincinnati. I think you went to Cincinnati with us, maybe, did you, with Kamal and Erwin Lutzer? I didn't in Cincinnati, really? but Nashville and Baton, Baton Rouge. And um, it really is significant. And I want to tell you, people are hungry. Um, we just, because outside of Karis, I mean, I'm in a church somewhere every weekend. And we did in Western North Carolina at the end of January, we did a thing called Winter Retreat. Western North Carolina had 183 youth come and 36 got saved and 100% had 183 youth and 40 adults. Everybody prayed for their schools, their cities. So about two weeks later, I was in a church several hours away and a group of these teenagers showed up and got their parents. They left at 6 a.m to drive two hours to hear me do three services at a church. Mm. And um, this mom came up to me and she said, oh, Mr. McFarland, these teens, they love you. And I said, really, I'm 58 years old. Why would teenagers get their parents to drive? This young man, Adam Woodell, he's probably watching. Adam, 11th grader, love you, brother. But he said, Mr. McFarland, we enjoy you because you teach us things we don't hear anywhere else. Yeah. And that's like at Karis. We've got, last week I was doing Biblical Worldview for the second year students, and they get so excited, empowered, confident, because they learn how to present, explain, defend. Present, explain, defend. And that, I think that's what this TV show, Truth and Liberty, is about, that we want the body of Christ, first of all, to know that you're saved, mm -hmm. and you can know where you stand with Jesus, but then to know what you believe and to be able to share your faith confidently in any situation. 
And, and I just want to give God the glory. Those back in North Carolina, we've got a, uh, a listener, Lee Boyd, that I was in high school with. Lee and Pat Boyd, they're probably watching right now. I go back all the way to second grade with these guys, and they go to um, Grace Life of the Triad. Brian Clark, that's a Karis grad. I'll be with Brian at Grace Life in the fall. But last mate of mine. Really? Yeah. Okay. He was. Wow. Cool. Brian Clark. Yeah, a small world. Mm-hmm. Those of those who knew me back in the day. Andrew and Mark and Richard, I mean, I was so shy uh, to graduate high school rather than get up and give a speech. I was in this English class where you had to give a speech, and I wouldn't do it. And the teacher said, look, if you don't give your speech, you're not going to pass English. I said, I don't care. She said, if you don't pass English, you're not going to graduate. I said, oh, I care. (laughs) So people, when I went to my 20th high school reunion, they said, who are you and what have you done with Alex McFarland? Because you're not the same person. And I said, I know. Uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, his word was in my heart like a burning fire. See, when you find Jesus, you'll get out of your comfort zone. And I'm the last guy ever that you would think would be a preacher. But here's the thing. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21 says, We have not followed cleverly devised fables when we made known the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at 21, UNC Greensboro, when I got born again through a Monday night Bible study, I knew, as far as I was aware, all my buddies were unsaved. And I had to get out of the comfort zone, speak up, and you look up and... 30 years plus has gone by. Well, the very way that you got saved, I've heard you give this testimony. You were in, was it a military school or? Uh, no. I, I, there was some guy that got in and witnessed you and you were talking about it, it was a miracle that they got past all the security to even uh, come in there. Oh, well, yes, What yes. was that situation? Well, I was driving a delivery truck and there was two, two people really. One was a guy named Rick Davis. And he just, he witnessed me and witnessed me and witnessed me. And then Angie, my dear wife, uh, who I was asking out and she wouldn't go out with me because she was a good Christian girl in nursing school and she's very wise and she knew better than to get involved with the likes of me. Amen, amen. And she kept saying, she said, if you'll come to a Monday night Bible study, come four times, I'll think about going out with you. And I, the Lord is so merciful because I thought, well, I'm going to get this over with. And how bad could a Bible study be? I know. I thought, (laughs) but I went and here's the thing. I, I knew I I got under conviction from the very first moment and I knew I needed to get saved and I was 21 and I just thought to myself, you don't play games with God. Mm -hmm. I need to get saved. And so Angie was smart enough to test and see that I wasn't just, you know, playing a game. And it was probably six months before we actually started to go out. But um, we have a lot of young men and they'll say, Alex, pray for me. I want to find a wife. Be in church. Mm -hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things be added to you. That's Matthew 6.33. But I'm going to tell you guys and Mark and Linda know Angie and me very deeply. And I know Jamie and Andrew do. Um, oh my goodness. Number one thing Jesus ever did for me, he saved my soul. Second greatest thing the Lord ever did for me, he gave me a Christian wife. Mm. I'm going to tell you. Amen. Um, and the favor of God comes through our godly spouses. Amen. But, I tell you, I was just writing a little book 
uh, and any, I was talking about terrible things we went through, and Jamie never one time complained mm -hmm. to me. I mean, I heard her pray to the Lord and complain <laughs> about me, <laughs> but she never said anything to me. And I wrote in this book, I said, she treated me so much better than I deserved then and mm -hmm. now. Amen. And boy, she's been through hell with me. I've put her through some terrible stuff. And just like you were saying, the Lord spoke to me that whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord, and then put that together with Psalms 34, no good thing will the Lord withhold. And so I quit dating, and I said, I'll never date again. If God wants me to marry, He'll have to plop her in my path, and that's exactly what He did with Jamie. And man, I'm not sure there's another woman on this planet that would have stuck with me through the stuff we've been through. So, wow. It's really good. Yeah. Also, you have a daily uh, radio program. How are you working all of that into your schedule with doing uh, What a blessing. Years? Since July 1 of 2009, I've been on the American Family Radio Network, AFR, based out of Tupelo, Mississippi, and they're in 200 cities. And, um, you know, I had started this ministry, Truth for New Generation. We're doing youth camps and youth conferences. and. You know, I felt like the Lord wanted me to be on the radio. I really did. And uh, as you all know, radio is a pay-to-play proposition. And I mean, if you want to be on national radio, it can be expensive in the millions of dollars. And uh, so uh, a number of networks had approached me and I, we didn't have any money, you know. So I just prayed about it and it was like the Lord said, just trust me. Well, I got a call from one of the greatest guys in the world, Tim Wildman. And he said, Alex, uh, the American Family Radio Network, uh, we would like for you to be on our network. And uh, I, I said, well, Mr. Wildman, uh, uh, we need to talk about money because I don't have any. <laughs> and he said, I don't want any money. He said, if you'll commit to do a live show, and the show is called Exploring the Word. It's heard 3 to 4 Central Time, 4 to 5 East Coast Time. And uh, live five days a week, we teach the Bible for 30 minutes, and for 30 minutes, take calls. So you actually are the old pro at mm -hmm. what we're going to be doing at yeah. Truth and Liberty as far as taking calls and interacting with people. Well, and, and you know what's amazing on live radio, and my co-host on that is one of the greatest brothers in my life, a guy named Bert Harper, pastored 38 years, uh, literally hundreds of times over the last what, oh nine, 14 years. We've led people to Christ live on the air. I mean, we had a guy call in years ago on live radio and he said, um, uh, I'd driven to the airport. I was going to leave my wife for some illicit relationship. He said, I was going to turn in my rental car, but I turned on the radio and I've heard you guys. And he starts crying on live radio and he says, guys, pray for me. I was about to do the worst decision of my life. So anyway, um, Exploring the Word is our live Bible teaching show. And I, I really do think that it, um, all those live fielding calls, working with live, the dynamics of live broadcasting, um, it was preparation for what we're doing beginning tonight. You know, I've done a little bit of that. I was on a, a program in Chicago where I, I and a local pastor did a three-hour live call-in program, and this one lady called in, and she says, I need you to pray for my husband. He needs your prayer right now. And I just off the top of my head said, what'd you do, kill him? And it got stone quiet and she goes, yes, I just killed him. And she confessed to murder oh, her husband goodness. over the radio. <laughs> and we had to deal with that. God. So Yikes. you never know what's gonna come to hold, pass. Hold the line, I gotta call the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something else. So anyway, Alex, you are gonna love Alex and um, 
I think this is really going to be good. Let me again just tell you that we're going to take a break here in just about 15 minutes, but then after that, we're going to be taking our calls. This will be the very first calls that we've ever taken. You can call and not only leave a message, but you can come on the air. We'll hear you. We've got earpieces in. We'll interact with you, and we want to encourage you to call. So that number is on the screen, 719-61, what is that, 619? 619-2341, sorry. Okay. <laughs> and so anyway, we'll be taking calls in just a few minutes. But I also wanted to give Richard an opportunity for you to get to know him a little better. Those of you who watch our Truth and Liberty uh, livecast on Monday nights, now that's going to be a repeat because we're doing five live ones per week, right? That's so, right. Yeah. So Monday night, we'll just take this Monday afternoon show and rebroadcast it. So if you're used to watching that Monday night, you can still catch And us. how many years have we been doing the Monday night Truth and Liberty? We're into four years now, I think. Really? Yeah. Praise God. Man, maybe, I, I could... Maybe five. We could, 2018. Spend, we could spend 30 or 40 minutes yep. talking about how this happened. It wasn't something that we really planned on. Mm -hmm. It just came to pass. And every time I came up with an idea, nobody else would do it but me. And like Lance Wall now was really big on saying, we need to do something like this. And so he, he got the ball rolling and then he wouldn't do it. And it fell to me. And so anyway, we've been doing that for four years. And Richard started out being the, uh, were, were you still a student when you were working with Mark? No, I graduated in 2015 and then started building the practical government school in uh, January, 2016. So Richard was working for Mark in the practical government mm -hmm. school. What's your background? Tell us how you got here. Oh, well, uh, so I was an attorney for 20 years um, in Oklahoma. And uh, uh, God, uh, I, I had known Andrew since, or, or felt, I should say, since I was nine years old that God was, had called me to the ministry in some fashion. But I never found a pathway to it. And... Um, I was Catholic as a kid, so I knew I didn't want to be a priest because you can't marry. And so I ran from that. <laughs> and you know, here's a little sideline. Yeah. Richard got born again in the church that Jamie's dad helped plant. Yep. He started that church. Mm -hmm. And that's where Richard got born again in Oklahoma City. Yeah, in Oklahoma City. Yep. When I was in high school. And, uh, you know, so I, uh, I, had pr I was practicing law um, 20 years, and, you know, around about uh, 2010, uh, I don't know how to explain it except that God began to do a new work in my life. And uh, I was seeking Him with all my heart and um, had an encounter with the Lord where it was like I had gotten born again again. And uh, I started a home Bible study and invited some folks over who I knew were Christians, but they didn't have a, a church home. And, after a while, one of them said to me, uh, Richard, have you ever heard of Andrew Womack? And I said, well, I've heard of him, but I, I can't say I watch him. He said, well, you ought to listen to him because these things you're saying sound a lot like what he's saying. I thought, well, that's interesting. So I uh, started watching you on television and uh, one thing led to another. And I um, shared with my group that, you know, I had this desire to be in ministry. And he, this same guy said, well, you know, Andrew's got these Bible colleges all over the place. You might want to check one of those out. So, um, uh, I got online after that meeting and looked up Karis Bible College and all of a sudden I just felt something in my heart spring into life and I thought, uh-oh, this could be it. And uh, we ended up 
coming to men's advance in January of 2012. And, uh, and it was a, a beginning of the end of that life for me. And we came back for campus days two months later and God really touched us. And we left my law practice behind and came to Karis Bible College in 2012. And it was the, one of the greatest decisions we ever made. And uh, you thought you were through with law. And when you came here, it turned out he was our chief counsel. And during our two lawsuits, boy, you had a war room going that would work until early in the morning. And you probably were as busy doing law as you've ever been. I was, (laughs) yeah. But uh, on the side, you also happened to pastor uh, church, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we, we've got a church that's called Upstream Worldwide Ministries, and um, this church was actually started by Gary Lukey, who was director of Karis many years ago, and uh, um, he handed it over to Donna and me, and uh, the, the, we felt the Lord leading us to take a little bit of a different direction. So we've changed the name to Upstream Ministries, and uh, we worship uh, mostly in home churches now. We come together every few weeks for big church, but we've now got uh, home churches in uh, five continents around the world, um, and uh, really amazing about uh, what God's done there and the future of that. So what's the format like? Well, we prepare, prepare a um, professionally produced and recorded home church worship service video. So it's got teaching, it's got worship on it, uh, it's got the offering and everything else with it, and then we provide discussion questions and the study outline, and then the home churches take that, they watch it, they have group body ministry and they discussion and then fellowship meal and time after that, so um, it's, it's awesome. This is kind of going back to the way it was in the beginning with that's right. the church. Yes, that's right. And there's a place, you know, for all of the other functions of a church, but man, very few churches have that interaction in uh, Koinonia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the bonding and relationship in, in that small fellowship is powerful. And so you do a lot of things for Truth and Liberty. This is just one of the things that you do. Tell us a little bit more about Truth and Liberty here and what we're doing. Oh, Truth and Liberty, uh, we could talk the rest of the program about it, you know, and on and on. But uh, so we, we've got our live cast here, which we're, you know, so excited about. But we also mobilize uh, <coughs> Christians in the in the public square. So like take here in Colorado, um, uh, two years ago, we got involved in uh publishing voter guides, nonpartisan 501c3 compliant voter guides for school board elections. And uh, we printed like 114,000 of those and distributed them around the state. And multiple school boards flipped to conservative control just by seeing the issues and where the candidates stand on that. And then last year we did over a million voter guides here in Colorado. Plus uh, our ministry prints all of these and distributes them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the million, we had to print those off site. That was oh, a whole semi load of voter guides. <laughs> wow. but, but yeah, that was a huge undertaking. But, but in that process, we're building a network of churches and leaders and Christians in uh, who, who care about these things and, uh, and really laying the groundwork for something, uh, for a greater mobilization in the future. And so you held pastor meetings with how yep. many pastors involved during a year's process? Yeah, uh, hundreds of pastors. Total, we had uh, about 3,000 people come to our meetings here in Colorado with 45 different meetings in different parts of the state. So that's what I'm saying. We're pulling the church together and becoming that um, th- that hub, if you will, uh, to you know um, get people involved and become more effective. That's awesome. And so uh, we are doing a lot of things to get involved and this program is just one of them. And I really believe that what's going to happen with this program is that people, as this gets better known, they're going to tune in here when there is something happening 
and they want to know, like for instance, I've had people ask me about what about the Asbury revival? Mm -hmm. And what about the Jesus Revolution movie? And, and how do you think this will be a place that you can go to ask those questions and get comment from somebody who's involved in the process? And I think it's going to really help people sort through things. Amen. And then all of the political stuff that's going on, you know, about what's your take on this? And I really think that we've got conservative people on radio, but so many times it's I don't, I don't know how to say this in a kind way, but I agree with their conclusions, but the way they get there is just terrible. Mm -hmm. And they're, the sarcasm that is used, the way that they insult people and things like this, it's not done from a Christian perspective, even, even though I believe some of them are born again. And so I believe that this is going to fill a niche that we don't have anybody. You know, Andrew, uh, I remember years and years ago listening to Rush Limbaugh on the radio and thinking this is really great but why does he have to be so sarcastic and mean? Wouldn't it be great if we had a Christian perspective on the issues yeah. that got spoken out with you know the love of the Lord and kindness? Yeah. So it's amazing how God takes I was just journey. with some very good friends who are, I mean they're, they're part of my ministry, they're on my board and I was just with them and we were talking about who's going to run in 24 and stuff and I you know, this is not a statement. It's just, th this is what I said. I said, I think it'd be awesome if Trump and DeSantis ran together, DeSantis as the vice president. And they said, I'd go for DeSantis and Trump, but I'll never vote for Trump again. And these are conservative people to the max. And I said, but I think that Trump, as far as what was accomplished, policy, not personality, as far as policy, was one of the greatest presidents we've ever had for the Christianity. Amen. And they said, oh, we agree. But the woman said, I'll never vote for him because he's so mean and things like this. And there are people that are putting personality traits above performance mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, anyway, that's being done with a lot of our conservative talk shows. And so this, we're, we're going to be bold and we'll speak out and deal with things as they need to be dealt with. But uh, hopefully we're going to do it from a Christian perspective. All of us are ministers and we're going to be doing it in a way that I think will fill a niche that is not felt right now. Uh, we're going to scratch an itch that a lot of people have. Amen. And don't have anybody to scratch it. So I think it's going to be good for them. Amen. Okay. What do you guys think? we got just five minutes before we take another little break. Well, I, I just think it's so exciting that the phones are open and will be opened and we will take calls from people all around the USA and we want to hear from you. If you've ever wanted to raise your hand during a sermon, now's your chance because, uh, the, and, and that number uh, is 719-619-2341 because, uh, you know, all the great awakenings and, and I believe that we are in the beginning stages of a massive Holy Spirit movement and uh, Lord knows we, we certainly need it. But do you know, whenever there's a revival, there's prayer, there's repentance of sin, there's an evangelistic urgency, but all of the great awakenings include a return to the authority of God's Word. Amen. And, yep. and we believe that the Word of God and God's truth is what will save our nation. Amen. So we're going to be back in just a few minutes, and we've already got full lines here, uh, people calling in, and so that's exciting. Yeah. Let me just say once again that uh, from now on, this is kind of an introductory thing. We're breaking our 
format a little bit, but from now on we're going to start with about a 28-minute lead-in where we do a monologue and talk about things, but the rest of the program over an hour will be all uh, taking your calls. We're just on this program, the initial one, we'll be after the break, we'll come back and take calls. So it's only 30 minutes today. I hope you don't hold that against us. We do want to hear from you, but I wanted to introduce these men and let you know that I really believe that God brought us together for a purpose. Who would have thought 45 years ago oh. that we'd be sitting here and what we're doing. That, that was awesome. almost, un, well, it was unthinkable. It was unthinkable 45 years ago that you'd probably be pastored. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, never in a million years would I have thought that. And to think that God brought all of us together. So Alex is from North Carolina, Richard's from uh, Oklahoma, mm. and you were from Texas. Texas, you? yeah. The yeah. Texas kind of waits this show. That's here. right. <laughs> But you know what? I got out of Texas just as soon as I could. As soon as I came to Colorado and I said, I'm going to live here someday. And so yeah. we've been in Colorado for a long time, okay. since 78, I think, is when I moved to Colorado. And it's, it's been awesome. This has been. You know what I like? And you said something, Andrew. <clears throat> Christians need to learn that we can agree to disagree. But let's stay out of the disagreeable zone because I think that's cost us a lot in the last several elections mm -hmm. and we've been so picky and what have you with thinking that things can fit in our nice, neat little evangelical box. Yeah. And that's just not the case. We're in a serious time in our country. Well, Jesus said that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And the body of Christ, I mean, there are people that again, and I'm not just trying to pick on Trump, but there's people that would agree with a lot of the things Trump did, but they don't like his attitude. Yeah. And so even though they, they agree with all, everything he's doing, they're going to vote against him because of what his past was or because he called somebody a name or something like that. And Christians can get so tunnel vision on one issue that they will sit there and say, if you don't support this right to life or the border issue or transgenderism or, you know, whatever, if you don't deal with this issue, then we're against you. Whereas the liberals will basically agree and support people that they hate. Yeah. They, they know how to work together. They do. And it's they a understand. shame. The body of Christ ought to be the one that's working together better than anybody else does. And so I think that this program really has a potential of bringing people together. And let me also say one other thing that, uh, you know, I mentioned that I believe the Lord spoke to me. We're in the third great awakening already, but you don't hear about it on the news because it's just totally secular and they're going to report all of the bad stuff. One of the things we would like to focus on in this is to bring out the good things. And each one of us have different uh, perspectives on this. We can bring in testimonies. We're going to have people that'll come on and we're going to be interviewing people that will be talking about how that all kinds of things we're winning. And so hopefully this will help correct some of the negative stuff that's being put out. And we'll hear some good news that Amen. comes through this program. And I think that'll just be awesome. Amen. Amen. So anyway, we're glad that you're with us. Again, this is our very inaugural uh, program on Truth and Liberty live call-in program. And uh, it's from 3 until 3.30 until 5 o'clock every weekday. And I'm hosting on Wednesday. Mark is on Monday. Monday. 
Alex Tuesday. is Tuesday and Richard is Thursday and then once a week each one of us will do two days and one of us will be hosting the Friday's program and it's going to be really, really good. So again, we're going to take a very short break and then we will be right back and we're going to take your call. So stay tuned, join us. I think you'll be blessed by this. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. You've taken a step of faith to come here. I believe you are in your place called there. I'm going to show you how to think properly about what we should be doing with our finances and what we should be doing to see an impact for the kingdom of God. I believe that God brought us here for such a time as this. This is going to be a life-changing experience for you. So welcome back to our very first broadcast of the Truth and Liberty Live call-in program. Man, I'm excited. I think this is the birth of something that I've been carrying for two years. Nine months has nothing on me. I've been carrying <laughs> this for over two years. So anyway, we're glad to have you back. And Alex, since you're the old pro and you've been doing this, I'm going to let you start. Yeah, show us how it's done. Uh, show us how to, how to do this. All right. Well, do we want to go to the screen or the... Screen. All right. Well, let's just start with number one. Um, let's go to William in Chicago. William, welcome. Very significant. We're glad to have you. You're the very first caller on Truth and Liberty Live. Welcome, William. That's right. There'll never be another first caller, William. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask about the fivefold ministry, uh, especially like the influence you have over the churches you've been over the year, and obviously you're. Colorado, uh, Colorado, there the Bible college and other Bible colleges you have around the, the world. That are you implementing the fivefold there, and how can you use your influence that you have at churches that maybe not applying the fivefold ministry to train up the saints so they can do the work of the ministry? Why is it not happening? And with your influence, how can we start equipping that so we can train up the saints so they can do the work of the ministry? It seems like we're a little anemic. Why that not happening, uh, you know, as a whole? Well, William, I agree with you. I think that this is one of the deficiencies that churches have. Most churches are totally controlled by a pastor. And, of course, I've got pastors sitting here with me, so I hope that this goes across okay. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Uh, you have to depend upon bringing in guest ministers, people that have the prophet the prophetic ministry and the evangelistic ministry and things like that because no one person is a full expression 
of Jesus. And I think that most churches are dominated primarily by a pastor and don't use the fivefold ministry as much as they should. This is all based on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with that, where it says that God said in the church, first apostles, secondarily, or excuse me, that's 1 Corinthians 12. But Ephesians 4, 11 says that uh, He gave some apostles, some evangelists, some past prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And so those people are supposed to be perfecting the saints, and then the saints go out and do the work of the ministries. Amen. What do you guys say? Precisely. And William, that's a great question. That is my passion, my heartbeat. The job of the fivefold ministry is to not do all the work of the ministry. We're supposed to be equipping the body so then they can go do the work of the ministry. I'm in that vein in a <clears throat> at another level now. We actually have one of our staff pastors that is going to get a new title and it will be equipping pastor. And uh, we're taking that at CFAN to a whole nother level. We're all about life groups and the church getting connected. We like to say it this way. We're not a church that has life groups. We're a church that is made up of life groups. And our daughter-in-law, Hannah, who's our favorite child, she uh, she's <laughs> taken this to a whole nother level at CFAN. Because we've had life groups for years. But something ignited to, with me at another level. But the reason we're in the trouble that we are in today in this nation is because the pulpits have gone silent. And William, if you heard at the open, when Andrew was introducing me, I was talking about part of my journey. And it was, I'd been in the ministry 20 something years and I thought I was being a good little pastor boy, staying in what we called the two foot square box behind the pulpit. We never spoke about you know, politics because we didn't think we could. And that completely overturned about 150 years of ministry uh, of American history when the Johnson Amendment was passed in 1954. So from our perspective, what we're doing with the Culture Impact Team and what we do here at Practical Government School, uh, we've had students that, um, that would go to practical government before they went out and planted a church. And it came in. The Horridge is up in uh, mm -hmm. Rhode Island. Tremendous he people. ran for office. Up ran for state there. senate up there. And we've stayed in touch. We support them. And they, they said what they learned in practical government allowed them to deal with issues in Rhode Island. Because it's a little tough plowing up there in New England. Yeah, and that's kind of ironic because that's where our whole country started, but it's a great question and something that pastors, I believe, are responsible to take uh, ownership of. And let me say, William, that I pastored three little churches. My largest one was 100 people, and I failed in this area because, man, I was just so gung-ho and on fire, and I had small churches. I didn't have uh, access to the other ministries, so I dominated things, and that's one of the reasons that my churches never grew is because it was all built around an individual. But now I've learned some things, even though I'm not pastoring, we have 1,100 employees, and I guarantee you, there is no way I could manage 1,100 employees. I've learned, and I've got five people that I deal with and they run the ministry. And I have learned how to delegate. So in a sense, I have the five-fold ministry mm. in my executive team. Mm. Wow. And I've learned these principles, even though it's not a church setting as per se, it's the same principles. Mm. And that's the only way that you can manage large numbers of people. Yeah. 
Matter of fact, I've also heard that this is one of the reasons that most churches don't grow above 100 or 200 people maximum is because they will not delegate and only one person can only manage effectively so yeah. many people. Well, yeah. you know, the other day in chapel, I, I shared a message. I called it the five myths that hinder the Great Commission. And one of those is that we, uh, people think, and they've been conditioned to believe that it's the pastor's job to win souls. Mm. And we turn our church services into evangelistic uh, experiences instead of uh, an equipping experience for the for the believers to go out and to, and to win the lost. And so uh, I think that's 100% right. We've got to push that ministry down to train the believers to do it. Whatever their calling is, evangelism, teaching, prophecy, whatever it is, but it's a mindset shift. You know, I heard somewhere, if you took every Catholic church, Protestant church, and Jewish synagogue, that you could get less than 2% of the world's population under the roof. So we're never going to get the world into the church. We got to get the church out into the world. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. Without not compromising and becoming the world. Exactly. Yes. Right. In the world, but not <laughs> Well, I, some churches have become the world through That's all right. the woke stuff and trying to be seeker friendly. Seeker friendly. Well, let's do In the interest of time, uh, William, thank you for calling in. I'm going to go to the <laughs> yeah. next call. There you go. Kathy in Birmingham, Alabama. Kathy, two things I have to say. One, thank you for being a subscriber and uh, being a part of Truth and Liberty. And also, I've preached in Birmingham. Down there, you all have some wonderful barbecue. And so that's a great oh, thing yes about- we do. Amen. Well, thanks for holding and welcome, Kathy. Thank you. My question, um, the question is, how would China react if we sent all those fentanyl seizures back to them? There's probably a lot of people that would die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand fentanyl. Uh, do they, I'm, I'm sorry, I've never done drugs and so I'm illiterate in this area, but uh, are people mixing fentanyl with other drugs that they're used to taking? Are the dealers doing this or the people doing it intentionally? Because it's just a tiny amount will kill you. Yeah. Alex, you probably know, but I've heard about them lacing other drugs and even yeah. pain prescription. We need to ask some stuff. of these people that have had experience with drugs to answer this. Yeah, Mark. Well, well <laughs> let me say this. Um, I was in West Virginia recently to preach and they've got a budget. The state has a line item to perform the, the funerals or the burials for all the people that die and very often homeless people on the street. And this was in 2020, but the state of West Virginia had their, their line item to bury the fentanyl deaths and uh, meth and all of the drugs. And I, I don't even know the names of all the drugs, but they in the like second quarter of the year had spent all the money that had been appropriated to bury the people that die from the fentanyl deaths. And um, China is, they're sending drugs over here. Um, they're sending people over here. I was just uh, down in Corpus Christi to preach along the border of Texas. And I had a mayor of a town and two different law enforcement officers tell me that some of the people that are coming in through our southern border that are getting arrested have been through military camps in China. So, you know what, you know, our friend Kamal Salim, who's a former Muslim, talks about cultural jihad where it's not overt combat, but they're undermining a culture in various ways. Uh, I, from what I'm reading, guys, and you all feel free to uh, correct me or, or elaborate, I really think China is trying incrementally to undermine America, weaken America, and one of the ways they're doing that is sending 
drugs over here that are well, taking many not only China ways. Russia I, we got enemies all around this world and that's just one of the ways yeah. and so much drugs is coming in through the southern border which we've got laws that if they would just enforce the laws it would stop this exactly right. it's just terrible Kathy did that answer your question or did we get off on a rabbit trail no it did I'm just wondering why us Americans are allowing this to be done I mean well, why that's I think that question. we're allowing it. I mean, because we've got nothing but woke people in the White House, of course, but we are allowing these drugs to come over and kill young kids and just people, not only young ones, but just people in general. Well, Kathy, I would say that it's not the American public as a whole that is doing this. It is the left, and right now they are in the White House. And they have been dominating Congress and the Senate, and they are the ones that have gone woke. I forget the figures, but millions of illegal aliens are coming across our borders, and it's not only bringing in drugs, it's the drug cartels that are ruling this. The drug cartels are getting rich off of this southern border. Mm -hmm. And of course, Biden has ties to China and his son Hunter. and. I think that if we were to uncover all of the ungodliness in this nation, it would shock us to the core how deep it is. But there's basically the love of money is the root of all evil, mm -hmm. and there is a reason why they are allowing this. And I think if you peel back the layers, somebody's getting wealthy off this. You know, we, we're pushing biblical worldview. Be it, everything goes back to that. Everything goes back to what do you believe and, and what are we, what do the people of this nation believe? And like in some of these Democrat controlled cities like San Francisco and places like that, they actually give away needles to drug addicts yeah. to enable them. Denver has done it um, here, right here in our home state. Mm. And that same kind of mindset, no one's ever responsible for their own conduct or their own decisions, unless of course you're a conservative. But, but these, uh, and so they don't want to close the border. These people are needy, supposedly. We don't want to uh, help drug addicts become individual and responsible for their lives and stuff like that. So it all works together, doesn't it? Well, it really does. And, uh, you know, I, there's so much to say. I just read an article uh, two weeks ago how China has given the University of Pennsylvania $200 million. Did you see why? Well, um, I don't know if you all know this, but our president, and I do pray for our president and his cabinet, I pray for them. President Biden is an adjunct faculty member at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, he never teaches there, but um, he gets uh, compensation for being an adjunct faculty. And also at the University of Pennsylvania is the Biden think tank. And I didn't know think tank and Biden would ever appear in the same sentence, but <laughs> Lord forgive me. But we aren't politically correct but, here, but, that's for sure. China is getting a pass on so many things from surveillance balloons to drugs in the southern border because, look, uh, follow the money. Mm. And um, generally people don't bite the hand that's feeding them. Yes, yeah. good point. And it's very tragic, the state yeah. we're in. Well, Kathy, thank you for your uh, question. Hope that ministered to you. Let's go to uh, Jeremy in Georgia. You're on with us now. Hey, Andrew and Alex and Mark and Richard. Uh, Richard, it's good to good to talk to y'all. Uh, my question is, um, just with the global agendas right now, you know, 2030 and the the World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, um, and all that they're planning on doing. Um, is it wise for Christians to prepare for all of this? 
Um, and if so, what is the best way to prepare? You know, let me say that when we first had this COVID uh, pandemic, uh, Jamie and I walk in health and anyway, I could spend a lot of time on talking about this, but I think that most Christians are not prepared to deal with health issues. They depend upon the doctors too much. I am not against doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, all the Christians would be dead because they <laughs> haven't learned how to believe God. But I believe that this pandemic woke people up that you can't trust the medical profession 100%. Again, I'm not against it. There are good people in there and there are many people that have been helped by it. But we have things coming down the pipe that are pr prophesied in scripture and I guarantee you there are going to be pandemics that will be genuine pandemics, not politically created pandemics. And if Christians don't know how to walk in divine health, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of Christians die. So this should be a wake-up call. And personally, you know, I just believe God for health. I don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. You can't make me sick. And most people think that that's extreme, but I think that this is normal Christianity and very few Christians are at that level and we had better get there or we're going to come up short. It's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. You guys have a comment and, on that? And we need to vote for leaders that don't talk about surrendering our national sovereignty to the, to the yeah. UN or the World Health Organization. That's against our constitution to give any control over our country to another outside organization that isn't even elected, much less elected within our borders, but it's just appointed people and give them sovereignty over our health care. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. You know, Andrews, you said something I think that needs to be underscored. You're not against doctors, no. but we need to make sure that we keep our faith in God. <clears throat> our country, I believe, has reached a place where our political structures right now are not going to be able to fix the problems that we're dealing with. You know, I just got back from Uganda with Bishop Joshua. So I watched the documentary. It's 18 years old called Unconventional War. But the president, Museveni, back in the 90s, took the Ugandan flag. They could not deal with Joseph Kony. They had so much witchcraft. And he said, I am putting this nation in the hands of the pastors. Yeah. And they took it and ran with it. And that was the only thing that got Joseph Kony driven out of that country. And uh, they're a miracle nation. And, you know, I watched, this is funny, the other night, I don't know why, but I went and found uh, the old Oral Roberts movie, Venture into Faith from the 1950s, the story of the little boy that was healed. And it's kind of a, you know, a, like the Ward and June Cleaver look in it, but it was a story that was real to him because he was healed of tuberculosis. But he laid hands on people and millions were healed. Yeah. But he always had the vision of merging the healing streams. He said it on that. Uh, healing streams of medicine and uh, faith and prayer. And you're right, Andrew, if it wasn't for doctors, half the Christians would be dead. <laughs> so we're not against doctors. Yeah. But we need to remember our trust and our faith is in God. The doctors are overworked. We need to leave that yes. for the people that don't know the Lord. Those of us that know the Lord, man, you can get healed directly from God. You don't have Amen. to go through a doctor. So, Jeremy, I hope that helps. Again, thank you for being a subscriber to Truth and Liberty. You know, for those of you that haven't heard, we ask for people to join with us, $5 automatic withdrawal per month or more. And I think we have, I, I'm guessing Richard would know, but it's somewhere around 
$50,000 a month or something? Yeah, about, about 50, 50 to 60000 But we have how many in, people on staff with Truth and Liberty? We've got five uh, devoted uh, full-time staff people. And now. it's amazing. All but, of them want to be paid. And so there are <laughs> expenses, and then we print these things, and we are holding pastors' meetings, and conferences. it costs conferences, uh, all kinds of things. So those of you who would like to become a subscriber with us, as Jeremy is, uh, you can go to our website, truthandliberty.net, uh, subscribe and sign up. $5 or more automatic withdrawal per month, and that's the way that we finance all that. So, Andrew, if, I don't, if you don't mind, subscribers are those who sign up for our email. Members are the, the donors. Well, so thank you. So go to the donate me. page for membership. All right. <laughs> Hope that helped, Jeremy. Let's go to uh, Robert in Phoenix, Arizona, and take his call. Well, You're on the air, Robert. How's it going? We are blessed. Hey, How about you? Hey, Robert. Highly blessed. Yeah, I just graduated practical government third year this past June. Robert, Amen. bless you. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You guys too. Okay, I'll make it quick. Um, all right. So the 2020 election was stolen. The 2022 election was stolen. Carrie Lake should be my governor right now. And my biggest question when I'm talking politics to people is, why is 2024 going to be any different? You know, that is a really good question, and I agree with you, Robert. I think that there is a lot of uh, voter fraud. We've had Bill Federer on here, and he goes back to Lyndon Johnson and JFK, and there was a lot of voter fraud back there. So this is not a new thing, but I think it's come to light in a way, and there are a lot of really positive things being done. I mean, there are some places that have passed radical uh, reform, and so it's being done, but it has to be done everywhere, not just in one or two places. And we've had some people on this program who say that the only way to guarantee a election without voter fraud is to have voter identification and paper ballots. Yeah. Uh, as long as you go something digital, there's always going to be a way to break into it. So Andrew, I, let me comment on this. Uh, I saw some new data uh, from the elections in Colorado from last year, and it, it showed that on the conservative side, we got, we got really beat badly um, at the ballot box. But one of the things we were concerned about was that um, some conservatives might not vote out of fear or belief that the whole system is rigged. And so sure enough, this latest data shows that about 10 uh, to 13 percent of these are every four year election conservative, reliable red voters didn't vote in the election. Places like El Paso County, which is a Republican stronghold in Colorado, had lower turnout than the rest of the state. And so this, yeah, we've got, I think there's problems with the election system for sure, but the last thing we need to do is not vote. We've got That's to right. stay engaged and we actually need to over, overcome their assumptions and turn out higher percentages so that we can break this thing open. Amen. Because one of the only ways we're gonna actually get it done is to get back in power. So we've got to have 100% voter turnout among Christians. And you know, we had David Barton on and we were talking about this very thing and he was, he was giving stats that prove that there's a lot of voter fraud. But he made this point that I thought that was really good. And he said, if, if we didn't change the system, 
it's still, we've got an obligation in the sight of God to do our duty. It is not just a privilege to vote. It is a duty. It's a responsibility. And if your vote didn't count, you are still going to be accountable to God, whether you stood up and did the right thing, whether your vote was counted properly or not. So again, uh, it is an issue that we need to fix, but man, I'm going to continue to be engaged. I don't care whether I feel like my vote's being taken seriously or not. And people can volunteer to be on the Board of Elections. Uh, that's a big thing. And that's how they did it in Virginia and yeah. got uh, Youngkin elected was that they had the, the election before, they had 5% conservatives that were election judges. When Youngkin got elected, they had 95% were conservatives that watched the elections. And mm. that's one of the things that turned it around. And that's something that any person can do. You can go down and volunteer to be an election judge. That's right. So that would make a big difference. Hope that helped, Robert. All right. All well, right. Uh, how about we go to uh, Drew in Woodland Park, Colorado. Drew, also a subscriber to the email. Thank you. Welcome, Drew. And uh, what what do you have for us? Awesome, guys. Uh, a great show so far. I wanted to actually circle back to what Andrew was saying around unity and how this show might be a platform for trying to unify in Christians. Um, trying to get them away from sort of the single issue voting and kind of dismissing candidates who may be your friend on a whole bunch of other issues. And um, I'm from Massachusetts, and, and I was involved in politics. And uh, what I found out sometimes is that even though somebody may be like your friend on 50 percent of the issues versus the other option who may be a friend on 20 percent of the issues, that that person can still undermine you and undermine movements. And so, so I don't, I'm not sure it's as easy as picking the lesser of two evils, if you will. And I, I was just curious if you guys had any thoughts about that. Well, my thought is, Drew, that um, I don't like picking the lesser of two evils. But again, I think this is one of the things that the left does better than the right does that the right are so strong in their convictions that if they have a candidate that violates one of their core principles, they just refuse to vote for them. They say, I'll never vote for a person who supports abortion. But did you know what? If you have the option of somebody who's going to support abortion maybe in the first trimester, but they're against it in the second and third, and they're against a, killing a child once it's been delivered, uh, and and you are for them and the opponent is up until the time of birth and even 28 days after birth they're going to allow. I would vote for the lesser of two evils. And again, that's abhorrent to vote for anybody, but if the alternative is worse, I think we have to make those kind of decisions. I don't know that, you know, Jesus isn't going to run for office. <laughs> we aren't going to have a perfect candidate and we are going to disagree. And I think that this is one of the mistakes that Christians make, they are so passionate about their issue that they'll never vote for a person who does this, and yet it may be better than the alternative. Yeah. You know, when Trump was running, I, I had, and, and really um, the way Mark and I, um, remember we had that conversation yes, about, did. are you going to support Trump? This was back for the um, 2016 election. But I had so many pastors, I lost a plenty of speaking engagements because I, I had accidentally met Trump in a hotel lobby in Washington at the Values Voter Summit. We talked, and I just felt in my spirit that he was going to 
uh, be God's man. And um, Trump, in many meetings, had said that he was going to appoint pro-life constitutionalists to the Supreme Court. And I, I talked to people, and I said, look, maybe you don't like him, and you think he's brash and rude and all that, but look, who do you want appointing the next three That's Supreme right. Court justices, mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? And so I, I realized that, you know, we've got to keep the Lord Jesus number one, and we've got to be prayerful and careful. But, I mean, the hierarchy of priorities, at least in my decision-making for that one, was who's going to appoint the successor to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and Scalia. Yeah. And, of course, uh, say what you will about Donald Trump. He served the American people well in appointing Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. Roe versus over, uh, Wade was overturned. Man, I, that was that unthinkable. That was Trump came Huge. in. So again, that's one of those things that sometimes you have to hold your nose and vote for a person. Yep. <laughs> so let's see if we can squeeze Sandy in. Uh, she's from Colorado Springs, and Sandy, you're on the air with us. What do you got? Hello. So glad to talk to you guys on the panel. Um, I was wondering, um, I would love you to weigh in on how do we function in relationship, just like socially, with people who uh, we have helped uh, stand forward to be elected, believing and agreeing on the principles with us, but then when they get in office, they go about trying to accomplish things that are good, but they're doing them through deception, practices, and manipulation. Is how do you then even function as like a person with them in society? And, and if they're trying to run again, even maybe. Well, that, that's a pretty big question, and mm -hmm. we've only got two and a half minutes left, so I'm not <laughs> sure we're going to be able to deal with that properly. But let me say that um, I wouldn't support a person who says one thing and then does another thing and uses wrong things. I wouldn't support them if I had an alternative. Right. But again, it depends on who you're dealing with, and there are some people that, again, you have to hold your nose and kind of deal with things and pray that God will raise up things. And one of the things Truth and Liberty is doing, and Richard, uh, we have a Citizens Academy coming up, and we are actually getting our students involved in teaching them how to run for office. And so it's not just a matter of, you know, just letting whoever run and then you vote for them. We need to get people like you, Sandy, involved running and people who are godly and who will have a uh, moral compass involved in this process. Mm -hmm. And Sandy, I would say just speak truth. And uh, our good friend, Congressman Redmond said, tell the truth whether it empties the room or fills it. Amen. And I think, you know, I just try to communicate to people, I'm going to follow the truth wherever it leads me. It's the only thing. That's why I love the, the title of this, Andrew. There is no liberty without truth. We can know about the truth, but we must know the truth. And so we have to be that salt and, and light. And real truth will cause liberty. You yes, shall know the truth right. and the truth will make you free. Yes. So we're just about out of time. Let me once again say that this is our very first Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Thank you, Sandy, for that call, by the way. But uh, this is our first week, and all of this week, all four of us are going to be on all uh, every day this week just to kind of get this thing kicked off. Remember that this is something that we're doing from now on, and I think that this has really got legs to it. I think it's going to produce some great things, and we would like to encourage you to help us advertise this and let other people know about it. Uh, we have CTN that carries the first hour of this broadcast on their network, and we thank them for doing that. 
and we're going to be here every day, 3.30 till 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And uh, all of this week, all four of us are going to be here. And then after that, Mark is on Monday, Alex is Tuesday, I'm Wednesday, Richard is Thursday, and then we'll rotate on Friday of each week. I hope you've enjoyed it. You know, send us some emails. Let us give, give us your feedback on this. I think it's really going to be good. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.